Have you ever wondered how the separate threads of your life fit in to one big picture? How the individual moments of challenge and triumph connect to one another to form the great meaning of your life? I am Anna Mullins, your Life Story Editor, and I'm convinced that making sense of our deepest pain can help us understand our deepest purpose. In my speaker training program and on this podcast, I help people weave together those confusing, often shameful pieces of their past, revealing the life-changing lessons that create their profound new story. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories, where secrets are out and the truth is in. Welcome back, storytellers. This is a super fun day at Unapologetic Stories. We have such a wonderful guest today. If you are a fan of reality competition shows, as I am, um, you know, I'll skip right past most shows for a solid dose of Great British Baking or Survivor, but also The Bachelor or Bachelorette. So if you're like me, you already know my guest, Mike Johnson. We got to know him on season 15 of The Bachelorette on ABC, which featured Hannah Brown as the lead. That was back in May of 2019. But since then, this U.S. Air Force veteran has elevated his star power, becoming a best-selling author with his first book, Making the Love You Want, um, that I was so grateful to play a small role in. And he is now the co-host alongside Brian Abasolo, I hope I'm saying that name right, on the podcast talking it out that's at talking it out bn bachelor nation and i'm so honored to have him here today to talk it all out and reveal his very own unapologetic stories so let's just start let's just get it out of the way the topic of the month the week the day around bachelor nation something that you mike i know have been very vocal about the controversy surrounding chris harrison I went back and forth, if I'm being honest with you, on whether I even wanted to talk about this topic with you today. There is one school of thought on this that would say in one half of my brain that said, this is just reality TV nonsense. It's not real life and therefore it's not important. But I sat with it for a while. And if I'm being honest, I listened to your podcast, your new podcast, and you shared with um, Brian some thoughts around this. And I heard you say something to the effect of, this show, The Bachelor, is like the second biggest franchise in TV. Now, I don't know if that's fact or, you know, it's it, yeah. it's up there, though. So I did some digging and I discovered that it is, in fact, the highest rated non-scripted television show. And it garners close to 5 million viewers per week on a bad week. In addition to that, though, um, and this is where my mind changed on whether or not we were going to address this. The show actually casts 20 people approximately, plus a lead every single season give or take. And those 20 people go on to collect rather large followings online. Some upwards, I've done the digging, of two and a half million followers on just one single platform. And multiply that by 20 people a season, over 20 seasons, and all the available social platforms that these contestants arrive on, as well as other businesses they take on, podcasts they put out. That is just math I can't even do. But my point is, Mike can probably do it, I cannot do it. Um, my point is we are talking about a media giant and a boardroom of maybe a handful of people at the top that is creating a downline of influence and influential voices with the reach of hundreds of millions of people a day, if not billions, reaching anywhere from age 13 to 80. Seriously. Um, and that is why I wanted to address this because of even those cast members, we are talking about a show whose cast is entirely heterosexual, at least what we have seen, mostly able-bodied, classically attractive, thin, and up until the most recent season, predominantly white as well. So it's not just a reality show. It is really about conscious influence and conscious consumerism, which is why I believe uh, Mike's voice for this franchise is such an important one. And not just for the franchise, but for the world in general. So let's just bring him on. I'm sure you don't want to hear my voice anymore when I have this sexy stud behind the camera. My friend, Mike Johnson. Welcome, Mike. And thank you for being a part of the show. Uh, thank you so much. I'm so humbled by that. That was terrific. Seriously, oh, terrific. Well, thank Mike, you. Mike, I love to hear that. Thank you so much for having me here today. 
It is seriously my pleasure and honor. And I have yet, even though we've worked together for, I don't even know how long now, I have yet to actually see you as a real human in real life. So this is, <laughs> we always do these like screen hugs, but that's as good as we're getting. Uh, but I Once am, COVID I really, is over, I'm coming. I'm you coming. are. Yes, we are getting you on the first flight out to Vancouver and we are having yes. a Mike Johnson Vancouver book launch party or something fun <laughs> out here. Drinking wine, which I am doing currently right now, but. Drinking wine is absolutely fine. <laughs> it, it is noon, I promise you. And then also, can I say you can thank say you so you much for all of your eloquent words? You know, you know, offline, I'll say it online as well, that I, you're the person that I come to for when I need help uh, with certain word choices um, and how I phrase things. And you helped me tremendously in my book as well. So thank you so much. Well, you're very welcome. It, I mean, I say this and it always sounds trite. It really is my honor to live seriously in my like purpose where I can help people who have a voice as strong as yours really share it and elevate it as loud as possible. So hopefully we can do that today as well. Definitely goes back to what you said about conscious influence. Yes. Conscious influence. This is something that we're probably going to talk about a lot today. And it's something I'm super passionate about, especially as a reality TV viewer and fan. Um, I like to (laughs) see that the people that I celebrate and follow are, Uh, doing right by their audiences as well. So that's why I just love you so much. So let's just get into it. Um, I'm excited, obviously, to have you here for so many reasons, but because most people know you as Reality TV Mike, and they're starting to get to know you a lot more, which is such a huge bonus for your listeners. Now you have a podcast, we get to see you outside of the realm of Bachelor production, we get to hear what you really think, which has been like a turning point for you, I believe. Um, Okay, so for those listeners who don't know what's going on, let's just let's just get it out of the way. Very short version. Chris Harrison, longtime host of the franchise, appeared on a segment of Extra with host Rachel Lindsay, who was the show's first Black Bachelorette. Um, Amazing, amazing woman. Chris let loose about his thoughts on, I think, the Black Lives Matter movement, sort of insinuating that racism before the lens of 2020 should just be forgiven. Um, particularly as it pertained to a white cast member from this season who had racist content in her feed. Um, But you have spoken out quite loudly about this already, but tell us right now today, where are you at with all this? Where are you at with this dialogue you've been inundated, I know? No, today where I'm at is that whatever bleeds leads, and quite honestly, it's knowing. I wish that positivity led more, uh, but that's just not the world that we live in. Uh, Negativity is what pays the bills for these big, you know, corporations that, Amplify voices, and I am. I don't like cancel culture. I'm. I'm with that as well. I think that certain people need to definitely be removed from their positioning. I think Chris needs to be removed from his position. But yet, and still, with that being said, I think that he does have privilege, and he should use his privilege for the, the higher good. Yeah, yeah. Use your privilege for the higher good. So, what would be the benefit to you of removing him from the position? Do you feel how would that support conscious influence? I think that that action. You know, action is what we want to see. Action is, I said on my podcast, uh, you know, if my wife cheated on me, apology ain't going to do shit. She wants, <laughs> she wants action oriented things moving forward. And so I think that that's what the benefit would be. Yeah. So stepping aside and putting another voice in there, or do you, are you like ready to cancel the show altogether? Where's your heart? Given um, I feel, I feel that, like you said, with all the facts about how big the show is, like literally I have fans in South Africa that watch the show, right? Australia that watch the show. Uh, I have had, you know, I don't know if I told you this, but uh, the book that we uh, wrote, uh, How You Held Me On It, people from Poland have uh, ordered it. Germany have ordered it. I mean, just all over the entire world. And so I don't think the show should be canceled. I think the show, since they've garnered and they've done such an amazing job of becoming and getting to this point, that we should use that. And they, they subconsciously impenetrate our minds, whether we like it or not. And I think that they should do it for the good. You know, so I don't think the show should be canceled in its entirety. I think that, I mean, let's be honest, we love drama. We love, you know, getting away from our everyday lives. So we want to see the crap, right? Uh, but <laughs> with that being said, let's do it in such a way that, you know, we can unite us all. And like Brene Brown says, build bridges in comparison to division. Yes, build bridges. I love that. Um, I think, and maybe a lot of this, I don't want to shrink it down to just one small issue. It's very complex, but a lot of this feels like it comes down to representation, which is something you talk about a lot. You and I have had conversations on is the importance of representation. Talk to me about that. 
Yes, representation is huge. I mean, it goes back to the reason that I'm a mentor with Big Brothers Big Sisters. I want my mentee to literally say, wow, there's this black dude that, you know, he does have tattoos. I could perceive him one way, but when he imputes these words of positivity upon me and intelligence, I could be like that as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's why representation matters in everything that we do, right? Uh, my, my roommate Connor and I, we speak so much on so many diverse topics. And I feel that when you just have a platform like this, people need to see that they are represented as well. We got Abigail. Uh, I believe that I, she's deaf, I believe. Yes. I, don't, I may be wrong, but that's representative, right? Uh, a disabled, beautiful individual. Right. That's what I mean by representation. So someone else that's watching that is like, wow, I could do it too. A hundred percent. Do you feel, um, and we're going to jump to your book here in a moment because your book really goes through a lot of your backstory and it takes us into childhood, Mike, and it takes us into kind of young adult, Mike, and some stories that we'll get into. But um, do you recall ever feeling like there was representation for you as a young boy? Do you feel like that was missing for you or a young man? I'm going to be so unapologetic with this. Do it. Growing up in a hood where I grew up, I thought the only thing I could do was play a sport, be a drug dealer, or be an entertainer, a comedian. Mm, a comedian. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, particularly a comedian for whatever reason. That was all I thought was, I became a financial advisor when I left the Air Force. I never even knew the career. I never even heard of the definition financial advisor. I never heard of those two words put together. Mm. And so, again, that's why representation matters. Yes. It's important because in everything that we do, I mean, it's, it's one thing to have imagination, right? But imagination is amplified when you could at least see. Like now we have, a, in America, we have a vice president that's a woman, right? Despite how people may feel about the politics of it, there's a woman vice president. So when I have a daughter and I say, baby, you could do anything in this world. She literally has, been able, I could show her a woman vice president in the, in the history books. And now her creativity and her imagination can go even further. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm like want to high five you through the screen right now. I have, <laughs> I'm going to just take a sip of wine for that one. Cheers to. Cheers. Mm. <laughs> so I have two young daughters. I'm going to just, I'm going to skip over a few things because you started to touch on this and it's taken me there. My kids are six and 11. Well, my six-year-old still believes everything I say, which is great. I mean, she challenges me a lot, but um, my 11-year-old is, is, she's poking around there. Like she's on social media. She's not on it. She's, she's not allowed a platform yet, but she's certainly asking about it. Mom, can I have TikTok? Mom, can I have Instagram? She's always asking and she's starting to get curious and we're starting to have to have these conversations with her. And I'm going to be honest with you. I am fucking scared for her out yeah, there I'm in the too. big world you would be too okay so this was going to be my question like <laughs> tell me what to do please what do i do <laughs> how do you navigate social media when there are people as you've been up against that are they're not out to love you I, yeah i can show you i was telling connor my roommates uh just like minutes before coming on is someone commented something ridiculous calling me kunta kente and all this craziness uh, so the, the internet is definitely wild and crazy I think that if I had a daughter, I was 11 years old in today's climate and only getting worse because I don't even have kids yet. I can't imagine what it's going to be like then. I can't shy away from it. I can't be the parent that, you know, blocks them from it because when we do that and we're, when we're in adolescence, we just want that even more, right? If our parents don't let us do it, we want it even more. And so mm -hmm. therefore they won't get the right education behind it because they're going to, they're going to listen to their peers who probably don't know crap either. And so I would have to, I would try to subconsciously in, have my daughter become a leader in the space, right? I would, uh -huh. I, I would, I would let her see it. I would educate her. And then I would ask her, I wouldn't give her statements. I would ask her, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? I would show her young women that, you know, hold scissors to their stomach because they're looking at some gorgeous chick on IG. Right. And I would say, just, how do you feel about this? Right? Like, what does that make you feel like? Does it make you feel like you should look like her? Like you have to, that you're insecure about yourself or does it make you say, wow, she's cute, but so am I, right? And I would just, I would be, I would ask very open-ended questions and I would treat my 11-year-old daughter like an adult in the sense of being respectful to their thoughts. Wow, that is really good advice. And if I'm being honest, I was in a parenting course last night because every yeah. so often, you know, we got to up-level our skills as parents, especially with preteens. And the host of that webinar actually said something 
almost identical to that, which is bring them into the conversation and help them kind of uh, form their own opinions about it. And exactly as you said, is be a leader. So thank you for that wisdom. I think my my, uh, mentee, talking about him earlier, he just texted me, he's 13 years old. And this boy is crazy. (laughs) He he makes me realize, like this little dude, I'm like, these kids are they they teaching them something different these days. <laughs> I'm like, damn. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm I'm not gonna lie about it. I'm an adult. I'm in my mid thirties. I thought that they're younger minded, but no, these kids know stuff. They, they, they really really stuff. do. And so, who I don't think that as parents we should hinder things. Like when I look back when I lived in Europe, for example, sex is a very it's not taboo whatsoever. But here in America, it's incredibly taboo. And I honestly don't know the stats, but I don't think that they have children at a younger age. I don't think that they have, you know, uh, more single parent households. I don't think that they have more STDs. And so I think if anything, they are aware and they are educated. And that's what I want my, that's what I want my 11 year old to be. Mm, I love that advice so much. Yeah. If we're scared to talk to our kids, then, and and they look to us for advice because they have respect for us then who are they going to go to? Because damn it, they're not going to forgo it. They're going to find their information some kind of way, whether in front of us or behind our back. So I'm of the, of the essence to bring it to the table. Mm. I love that. And I love that you're bringing it to the table today too, for us, because <laughs> this is the stuff that I dream of in the unapologetic stories realm, which is always about destigmatizing taboo topics and things that bring us shame because as soon as we start to embody that shame the next logical step is like a challenge with our mental health or we've already been challenged with our mental health and therefore shame has set in in some way it's just this really ugly cycle so I worry about our kids for that reason but I also worry about us as adults who are watching all of this go down Yes. It, I, again, I hate to bring on my roommate again, but we, we have a lot of talks here. We've spoken about your, your six-year-old literally is born into this culture. Yeah. Period. Uh, you know, the listeners of this, you, myself, we were not born into this culture. So in some essence, we're worse off because we're having to, comp- we weren't born into this, right? So we know a world that was different once before. And Again, I remember advice that my dad told me. He said, as you get older, you need to be open-minded to what the younger people have to say, right? Uh, Because there are things that they know that we just aren't as good at. And when you're younger, you listen to what older people have to say for the exact same reasons. And so I feel that we ourselves, in order to be intelligent, we must know what we are not intelligent at. We must know to what we're not good at. And social media is a bitch, (laughs) you know, for, for people at every single level. I mean, for what I just told you about somebody calling me Kunta Kinte and all this racial things that they just said, for someone that isn't as strong-minded as I am, that stuff could really get to you, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it could start to shape the narrative truly about who you are or who you believe you are. Yeah, definitely. It really, really can. And mm-hmm. I feel for those individuals, they should read a book called Making a Love You Want. <laughs> they need to read a book called making the love you want yes i don't know who wrote that book but i think it's <laughs> a very thoughtful man who is sitting across from me right now um let's talk about that book because you know you were on the bachelorette you didn't win the heart of the lead now you have this book called making your own love making the love you want why did you want to tell this story because it is it's a memoir and it really goes through your life in a big way it pulls up a lot of your past a lot of painful moments I would say what called you to put those stories out there in such an unapologetic way first would be representation there aren't men that speak with so much vulnerability and 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 truth right Um, men get sexually abused one out of six men are sexually abused men don't want to talk about that ever right Uh, women I think so much stronger in that regard. And for me to be seen as such a strong man, I want to show that strength is also being vulnerable, right? Strength is in vulnerability. So that's for the men out there. And then for everyone, quite honestly, I'm fed up with this growing pandemic of mental illness. And when I was my commander, when I was in the Air Force, he told me, don't come to me with a problem unless you have a solution. And so I feel that one of the biggest problems is is what we are letting enter our subconscious, which is social media 
And I want to be a part of that, but in a positive light. And so that's where the, we started with the book and we're still going. And I think that this book is a, a tool. You know, it's not the only tool in your toolbox that you need, but this is a book that you can read over and over again or go to your favorite mantra, or your exercise and have that to when you can't see yourself no more to when life gets too gritty and you need something to go back to. This is just simply a tool that I had to create. I love that. And I love that you touched on mental illness and mental health because not only I think because of social media, I think that's one of the catalysts. I also think major global pandemic, another catalyst, but these rising expectations on all of us, the rising disconnection that's happening between human beings, particularly probably our young children who are just, as you say, born into this world of having to figure out connection and belonging through a computer screen, where at least in my world, I found it with like human to human and then figured it out later, figured out the social media part. But mental health, mental illness is one of my big platforms. And I know it's one of your big platforms. You talk about it in the book as well. And I believe your book is even dedicated. Am I wrong to somebody who lost their battle with mental illness? Yeah. Yeah, my book is dedicated to a a childhood friend of mine who was actually a client of mine when I was a financial advisor. So I've known her for over 20 years. Um, She took her life Mm -hmm. and uh, it was really hard for all of us. And I, can, I think, quite honestly, I, I got fed up at that point in time. I wasn't sad as I was angered by the fact that we live in a society to where we help pep, uh, perpetuate this. That's the way. That's the way my brain went. I didn't become sad and 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 and, and just want to sit down on the couch. I was like pissed the hell off and I wanted to do something about it. Yeah. Like, let's take action now and start talking. And it's one of, I mean, it's really been difficult for me in my own career to have to talk about my mental health. It's not something I love to talk about. It really is. I mean, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It kind of does exhaust me and it drains me, but I, I was like, like, it's hard, but I was told once by a psychologist of mine many, many years ago, he was asking if I wanted to be on the board of education for a um, chronic pain organization. And I said, I don't know if I want to continue to relive my own mental health struggles on a daily basis. That's really difficult. And he said, well, there's that avenue or there's that take, or we can look at it as you're very articulate and you're well-spoken and you have a voice. And maybe there are other people who can't articulate this particular problem the way you can. And perhaps it's actually responsibility now. I agree with that. 100% 100% fluidly, yeah. completely. One, yeah. one million percent. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I he just that. called me right up and that's how, I mean, that's why I'm doing the work I'm doing now. I'm so glad you said that also because yes, I do have a, a pretty sizable um, influence and following on social, but people need to realize like we all have a platform, whether it's literally the the woman at the post office or the guy in the elevator, like we all have a platform and I may be able to affect more people positively or negatively at once, but you can affect someone as well. And that's just what's important. I remember when I worked at Walmart, this was years ago. I don't know if I've ever told you this story like offline, but I worked at Walmart. Uh, I was a little little manager or whatever. I thought I was cool. And this lady, this lady comes up to me and, uh, she said, how are you doing today? Oh, I said, I'm blessed and highly favored. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? And she told me whatever. And then that was that, right? Comes back like three weeks later, she comes right up to me, gives me a hug. I'm thinking, my head, what the hell is this? But I, I hug her back, right? <laughs> and she starts crying. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? This is some older lady. Like, I don't remember her face. Walmart's pretty big, right? And she starts crying. And I'm like, are, are you okay? And <laughs> she says, you don't remember me, but a few weeks ago, I came in here. I asked you how you were doing. You told me you were blessed and highly favored. And she said that my authenticity and quite the way I said it to her, it saved her life. She was coming into Walmart. I never told my roommate this either. She was coming into Walmart to get tools to hang herself. Oh, my goodness. And at that point in time, I was an 18-year-old skinny-ass kid with a hot top and earrings in my ear. thought I was a cool kid just trying to get girls. And... Here this lady comes into Walmart, getting tools to commit suicide, to hang herself. And I just told her how I was doing. And that alone changed and curbed her decision to kill herself. Mm. And so when I say that we all have an influence, I mean that shit. 
Like we all, each of us have an influence and every encounter that we, you know, have, we literally can help someone out. Mm. That is so true. And, and I think with the epidemic of loneliness that's sort of setting in, sometimes all it actually takes is one sentence, one conversation, one smile to be actually seen. Like for a human being to actually walk into a Walmart and feel like they're not invisible, that somebody found that they were worth at least the effort for a smile and a sentence, let alone like a beautiful sentence like you delivered, but just anything at all sometimes just to remember that we're all walking this planet together. Yeah, definitely. That's, it's in my speech that I give. Um, I don't know if I've showed it, shared it to you, but I have, I give an example of, of this mirror. That's why the, the cover of the book is a reflection. Yes. And the last thing I do in my, in my speeches that I give is I, I have all of us hold up a mirror that I had them write some things on and I make us take a group picture. Right. And now since it's virtual, we take, you know, we do a screenshot or whatever. Everyone takes a picture. And the point of that is to know that when you go through your shit, cause you are, that you're not alone. Mm. And I think the first thing that we do when we get super sad or we get really down is that we think no one else is going through the same crap we're going through. Or we realize that they're going through the same crap, but it don't it doesn't matter because they're not going through it the way I'm going through it. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I mean, it's, ha- it's happened to me as well. Uh, when I got my little heart broke, you know, it, uh, I was home for- <laughs> Which, <laughs> time? Know, I, Which time? Which <laughs> time? I know, right? Been dumped twice on TV, you know, got my heart broke person you know <laughs> it uh <laughs> i spent a year literally I, I spent a year at home thankfully i was already always good financially but i literally didn't work i just i barely ate i think i would uh order like domino's pizza in my delivery like every three days and just my tv wasn't even on when i say i i was a prisoner within my own mind i truly truly was mm-hmm. and people people have a hard time believing that but i'm like no nope. That was just a few short years ago. And, you know, I practice what I preach and the things that I talk about in my book, the exercises are there and the mantras are there because I've done this shit. You know, yeah. I've gone through the, I've, 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 I've cotton out of the mud as has, I'm sure every single individual in your audience. But I think what we're called on this earth to do is to, to enjoy it, to live it and to give it. Ah, I love that. Live it and give it. Um, yes. Now that we've entered into the territory about your poor broken heart. You know, I'm going to go there for my listeners. I asked earlier if anyone had any questions for you. And I swear to God, the first 10 were, is he single? Is he single? Will he marry my daughter? Is he single? Is he single? So tell the world, you probably have a million times, but tell us now, tell unapologetic stories. What's going on in Mike's love life? You know, normally I say I'm making the love I want. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's what I normally say. Because uh, it, it, you know, doesn't answer the question, but I am single. Yes. I am single. Okay. So, so now I know what the follow-up questions are going to be. Uh, <laughs> what are you, what are you looking for? Are you even looking for a relationship or you do you just love being a single guy right now? Um, I wish my roommate could answer that question for you. Oh, where is he? Bring uh, him up. <laughs> Connor, come here for a second. Connor, get over <laughs> here. <laughs> Okay, Connor's here. Connor's here. Okay. <laughs> Connor, Mike. I'm putting you on the spot. So tell us, what does Mike need in a woman? <laughs> oh gosh, I knew it was going to be something about this. Um, <sighs> nah, I'm trying to find a way to put it eloquently. Uh, I I don't think there's anything specific. I think. Someone who's driven, um, has their own like career and goals and ambitions. Mike very attracted to people that are like financially free themselves and have their own like businesses or whatever. So I think that's great. But uh, what Mike, what I feel like I hear sometimes is if she's a baddie, she's a baddie. In that you say that, you say that. (laughs) Okay, we need an explainer unapologetically. You know, you can definitely put this more eloquently than I can. So I feel like I'm not the best person to be explaining this. But, um, you know, I don't think there's anything specific that you look for. I think you just, you know, if you click with someone and if you don't, you're obviously physically attracted to people. Um, But like once you meet them, you figure out if you're attracted to their personality. 
Let me help you out there. Yeah, please. Yeah. 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 And, and <laughs> <laughs> that's not Connor, that was perfect. And for my listeners, Connor is just as cute in person as he is. <laughs> oh, man, I, I would say it's a vibe that you feel. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, like, I've dated, I've dated twice for one individual, I've dated two different people. Uh, for multiple months at a time, both in COVID. So I definitely date and I date exclusively. And it's a, a complete vibe that you get with that individual. I don't think that's quantifiable. There are things that I like, there are standards that I have, there are morals that I have. But outside of that, how does that person make me feel when I'm not with them? Those are things mm. that I think about, right? Oh, how does that person make you feel when you're not with them? Yes. Do I, after spending a week with them, Connor will know this to be true. After spending a week with them and I go fight them or they fight here, what do I say to Connor when they're not here? Right? Uh, what does I he mean, say, Connor? <laughs> now I need to know. Mike is a gentleman in person and not in person as well. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I but, agree. Yeah. But not, not in person when I'm not there with that individual, I may say, she ain't the one, homie. You know, she, I need, I want someone to challenge me. I definitely, I'll say that. I like, I truly do like a woman that will challenge me and has a backbone. I want someone that is passionate about something, a subject. I want someone that um, is, I do, I am attracted to gorgeous women. um, And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I would also say that just to challenge me, like to teach me something and to call me out. I like a little aggression. I like a little competitivity, uh, competition uh, in sense of let's say she's a lawyer, for example, or let's say she's a third grade teacher. Can I make something just as simple, right? Can I, can I explain mm. it just as simple? And she, she calls me out on it. I, I enjoy that because I want someone to help me grow and be better. I love that. Now, Connor, you got to tell us though, how, what is Mike like to live with? Like if, for all the women out there who want to marry him in my feeds right now, hey, he, what, would, what would that feel like? He, he's, he's great to live with. I'll say, you know, Mike and I were I think, you know, I was the youngest on the show. He was the oldest, like probably different people. And so, but we ended up being roommates on the show together, pretty much every place we traveled to and now roommates in real life. So it's been great. Um, but no, living with him is awesome. I feel like he's, he's clean. He's neat. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but ladies, I'm working on it. So don't worry about it. We're, we're a work in progress. And thank you to Mike because he's helped me be a work in progress. But um, no, he's great. Always brings a lot of energy, which is fantastic. He wakes up every day and screams as loud as he can. I really so, did this morning. Um, for, for any lady, you'll be you'll be woken up every day. You don't need an alarm clock. <laughs> Say that. So nobody, they, basically, the parameters are nobody that sleeps in past what eight o'clock, or they're going to be woken anyway. <laughs> Well, sometimes we might stay up till three o'clock. So. Fair enough. So here's here's what I'm proposing. I'm proposing that you rewrite your own bachelor show, be your own producers, represent for culture and diversity the way you should, the way you know that we should. Talk to that boardroom up there, and you two should go on and be both the bachelors together. I mean, come on. Bring it to to Texas. You heard it here first. (laughs) Yeah, heard it here first. (laughs) Truly. I mean, honestly, how fun would that be? It would be amazing. It would be amazing. I will tell you, your cast would probably be significantly more diverse in so many ways, which, yes. Yes, yes, Yes. which would be, quite honestly, amazing to see. Because I think it's really cool when, like, again, why I love Connor as a roommate is that we do have different backgrounds, right? But... We, I mean, I can't show you now, but like there's something that Connor did. Um, he wrote, he put, he had like this sticker and he put five affirmations up on our wall, right? And you could be from completely different mindsets uh, and worlds mm. and they still come together. And I think that would be the cool thing with diversity and people don't really know that, right? Um, Amazing. It's, I think it's just awesome, to be quite honest. I think it'll be really good. Yes. Well, you he- heard it here first, for sure. This is the next Bachelor. <laughs> bachelors. We're it's gonna, called we're The Bachelors. Those going to be called Making the Love You Want. Making the Love There we go. Nice to meet you, Connor. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hilarious. Okay, so that's, that is, that's what you need out there, ladies. If you need to get in touch with Mike, you know what he's looking for now. He's looking for good vibes. He's looking for somebody who'll clean up after Connor because Connor might still be living there. 
(laughs) (laughs) And somebody who will read affirmations from the wall and not be afraid to be screamed at first thing in the morning with the most positive energy. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know he was gonna say that. I definitely, (laughs) I I do do my little scream every now, pretty much much every day, at some point in time in the day. (laughs) That's great. It's just energy, you know, good energy is, is where it's at. I remember Connor and I had a, uh, we had a, uh, 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 an acquaintance come to the house and they literally sapped so much energy out of this house. It was crazy. I'm all about just, you know, love and positivity and understanding people. And if I don't understand, giving them the, the platform to, you know, listen to them and hear them. Mm. Well, now they're going to want you more, Mike. Made your own problem there. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Um, now that we're kind of on the topic of producing your own bachelor, like why not? Um, I think that's a great idea, frankly. And you can be at the top in the boardroom making those decisions. Uh, there was actually a decision made for you not to be the bachelor at one point. You were on the docket. You have been very vocal about this, I know. Um, the fans wanted you. You had a very loyal following and still do. I still see posts crop up every single day at some point begging for Mike Johnson to be The Bachelor. Um, I'm curious. I know there's a lot of thoughts on this. And actually, one of the questions that came through for you was, do you believe that Matt James was positioned as The Bachelor because of his proximity to whiteness? Now, that's, that's a big a, question. That's a big question. It's a great question. It's a, a very direct question. And I appreciate it being direct too, because I can't wiggle out of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we can edit whatever you want. No, no need to edit it. I'm, I'm unapologetic with this. I, and I, I said it on my podcast as well. Uh, I'm definitely first and foremost, extremely humbled by the fact that two years later, people are still chanting Mike for Bachelor. That's literally, I didn't go on the show to even ask for that, but it's, it's, it's I'm not gonna lie about it. It's awesome to hear. For sure. And I'm just being myself so myself every single day i mean literally i was on extra tv yesterday connor and i came from the gym i had two minutes before i went on i didn't prepare nothing i just you know go (laughs) no words prepared just just go and be be who i am as an individual now to the direct question i think that matt i'll say all of it matt is definitely a good looking dude boy's body's on point his face looks great aesthetically very appealing uh, individually, I know him personally, super nice guy. He is really great. Um, also, with that being said, I think the show had to listen to their viewers who over a quarter million people signed a petition to have a lead of color and have a black lead because in 25 bachelors, none of them black, which is atrocious. Uh, it's atrocious that none of them have been Asian, Native American, Indian, uh, Latina, Latino, uh, and the list goes on. And so they had to get a black bachelor because, you know, a quarter million people signed a petition. Yes, I do think a part of the reason Matt is a bachelor because of his, um, what's the word? I just completely went blank on the word because of who he knows, mm. um, which a lot of people don't know who he knows. And that's something that you may have to do some digging on. Matt knows he has a wonderful, wonderful Rolodex. And also that Matt is half white. Um, so therefore I think it's, he's more easily digestible in comparison mm. to, to, to me. Um, and when I say what I mean by that, I'll give a, an example. I remember on my podcast, I said to Matt directly, Matt, when you had your dreadlocks, do you think that you would have been a bachelor? And he was very honest. And he said, no, I wouldn't have been a bachelor because that a black man with dreadlocks as a leader of a show is not as digestible. Mm. It's a fact. Right. And Matt, my, Matt being half white, Matt growing up in a predominantly white surrounding uh, definitely helped. It, it is what it is. You know, mm. no diss to Matt, it, it does help. Yeah, and it certainly probably made it much more comfortable in that boardroom at the top for, mm. for the people actually in the boardroom. It was for their own comfort and safety and sense of privilege, probably. I thought it was a really thoughtful question and interesting because I came across a post earlier um, from an account called the Black Chirlorettes. Black Chirlorettes. Yes, Black Chirlorettes, yes. Black um, which I started following because you mentioned them on your podcast. Um, so thank you for that note. And they were talking about one of the recent um, cast members, Chelsea, who was let go last week and really talking about colorism and what that looks like in not just the Black community, obviously, but for 
you know, this, again, this franchise is like, what is the most digestible blackness that can be on screen? Which is sad. And it's something that, again, I'm so blessed to have a privilege. I'm not a privilege, but it's so blessed to have a, a platform to speak upon because I'm unapologetic and I don't give a damn and I'm going to say it. And so in a black community, there are like me, for example, I used to get talked about so much in the black community because I'm a lighter skinned individual and I'm more digestible than uh, my dark skinned counterparts. And it makes me feel some type of way. I'm not going to lie about it because I didn't ask to be light skinned and it just is what it is. Right. Sure. Uh, but I also know that I'm six foot five. Uh, I'm decently good looking. I'm lighter skinned. So therefore, in comparison to my counterparts, I do get looked at first. And that's the privilege that I have. Mm. And who, I need to stand up for like literally all of my blackness and with this platform I have. And I agree with the blasphemous that Chelsea, the way that she looks, and when I say short haircut, she cut off all her hair. Uh, and like, it's just, it's just like me when I wore a do-rag on TV. Like mm. people are like, whoa. You know, yeah. Like, Whoa, that's, that's different. We haven't seen that one before. And so I'm glad they spoke about it because it's something that in Black culture we know. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I say, I mean, I bring this topic up not because I have any right to speak on it necessarily as a white woman, but that I want to shed some light on this and to give, again, consumerism out there. If you're on social media, then choose who you're following. Pick some accounts that are talking about the real issues and talking about diversity and talking about Black culture and talking about all of the things that you talk about, all the things that Rachel Lindsay talks about. That's how to be a more conscious consumer as well is check in on what you're following. Check in on your own consciousness, your level of consciousness with what you're seeing on screen and check it out, right? I think back to when I started watching not just this franchise, but lots of television shows. Um, another thing you had said that I thought was super profound actually on your podcast was something about your Ford Focus, which was uh, like hilarious, but also really, really smart, which is like, you said, you know, once you get a Ford Focus or something, you start to see Ford Focuses on the road all the time, or you buy a new car and all of a sudden you see the same car everywhere. You just start to relate to that, which is probably why me 20 seasons ago was like, oh, look, The Bachelor, a show made for me, because it did look like me at the time. It looked like a white women and it looked like, you know, young, able-bodied people, which I was at that point. I don't know. I'm still young. You I still suppose. are. You still, <laughs> still are. young. You still are. <laughs> able-minded, maybe not as much, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> some mental health conditions that they don't bring up on the show. But I will say that um, it was just, I thought it was really interesting that you said, you know, even though you see and you, you are watching for things that represent who you are and you're maybe even just slightly more attracted to that in some way, consciously or unconsciously, you kind of have to check in with yourself because if the other car on the road that doesn't look like you gets in a car crash, you're still, you still do need to pull over. Correct. Yeah, right. talk to exactly me about that because it. it's so, it was so smart, Mike, and it really like, I made my brain kind of go like, wow, that's a great analogy. So thank you. Yeah, that was well, nothing again, I was prepared. I was just off the cuff because I, I think that I'll give you an example. When I was in the Air Force, right? When I was deployed overseas and when you go overseas, I was in the Middle East. The natural psychological thing to do is gravitate towards someone that, that you will feel comfortable with. I'm not going to deviate from that, right? Um, so when I was overseas, I'm thinking, okay, who's the American, right? Who's the American person? Because that's what I'm going to gravitate towards. Or who's the black person? Because that's what I'm going to gravitate towards. Who's the person that has on a uniform that I have that, you know, that I'm going to gravitate towards? Like, that's what we naturally do because that's what we naturally feel comfortable with. So there's nothing wrong with that. And the people that go against it or go against me on that, I'm like, I'm not deviating from that. I understand that naturally you know, instinctually from back to when we were, you know, hunters and gatherers, we're going to gravitate towards look what looks like us because we feel more comfortable with that naturally. But now with that being said, we are no longer hunters and gatherers. Mm. And so we have a duty to embrace individuality within what it is, right? Connor, my roommate, completely different than I am. We are a lot alike in a lot of ways as well but looks completely different than me, right? You know, um, when I've had friends over here that I grew up with, they don't look nothing like Connor. 
Connor don't look nothing like them. And some of my friends that I grew up with that are still in Dallas and have a Dallas mindset, when they see Connor, they may have judged him previously, but I love it because Connor don't give a damn. He's unapologetically himself. Mm-hmm. And what they're what it's doing to them is, and I haven't spoken to Connor about this, but what it's doing to my friends is they're like, oh, this white dude, pretty cool. <laughs> right. And what Connor may be doing, like, oh, he's pretty cool. This black dude pretty cool. <laughs> right. Yep. There's nothing wrong with being an individual. I feel that we're so goddamn scared mm. of what we don't know. Mm. And the only way to not be scared of what you don't know is to embrace it, embrace it. Yeah. To get, get to, to know, know it. it. Yeah. Like get to know it. Like it's, 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 it's crazy to me that we are so goddamn scared <laughs> to embrace what's different. Mm. Like, it's come on. I, I, I find it hilarious to be quite honest. Yeah, it's like infuriating and also almost comical. Yeah, it's it's really comical. Um, someone had posted on my Twitter, and I thought this individual was just beautiful in what she had said. Let me find it within the next five, four, three. Oh, God, it was way more comments than I thought I had. That's all right. Uh, my my listeners will wait for you all day. She said, I, I was talking, I, I just love what she said. It was so eloquent and so succinct. She said, comfort is the enemy of progress. It's time to get uncomfortable and force the powers that be to make real change in all industries. And I love that because when we are comfortable, we're not going to grow. Mm. Like you can, you could take this and let's take it outside of race. Let's take it to yeah. Elon Musk and cars. Go back to my car analogy, right? Elon Musk, when he came out with Tesla, was like, I'm, he, he broke the comfort norm. People weren't mm. ready to go to electric. He was like, I don't care about gas. Gas is not helping us. We need to continue to push the envelope. And it made industries uncomfortable, Mm. right? Maybe people won't feel so, you know, defensive when I speak about a damn car, right? So comfort is the enemy of progress. If Elon Musk was too comfortable within the energy system, he wouldn't have been able to do the things that he's done so far. Whether we like him or not, the point is still there, right? It's, when we're too comfortable, we cannot grow. The reason yeah. I have the mindset I have today is because I literally was in the Middle East. I've, I've literally shit in a hole. Like there's no, mm. it's like, cause in, in the Eastern part of the world, in some parts of the world, they don't have toilet, uh, toilets, right? Some do, some don't. And you start to learn some different things, right? You start to learn, oh, this is how, they, how, how an individual does it. This is, and like I said in my podcast, the way to grow is to be around people of different races, nationalities, classes, and you will learn something that you didn't know before. When I, I'm technically some of my homies that I grew up with, if they didn't know who I was personally, they would think that I'm privileged, right? Because quite honestly, I am a bit privileged now. When I had, it's freezing. It was in the single digits here in Austin, Texas, the last couple of days. I now have central heating. When I grew up, my whole mindset, I was ignorant. All I thought was when there's, when it's this cold outside, me and my family, we would go to the stove, turn on the stove, open the stove up, and we would just hold each other because that's all we knew, right? Mm. Literally, that's all we knew. We, that, was, that was what heat was. And now I've lived life on so many different levels that I still remember who I was back then. I still remember not being able to pay for a full uh, tank of petrol or gas um, and only being able to pay for maybe not even one gallon, right? Uh, but now when it gets to halfway, I still fill it up because I'm that's in the position I'm in now, but I still can see both sides of me. And then also with that being said, people that have come from the gutter and now are at the top, it's hard to, for some people, it's hard to remember who you once were. And that's, again, the beautiful thing about being a part of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, being a mentor, because my mentee is someone who was, who was once me. And it helps me to remember Okay, this is this is why again why I like to travel as well. It helps me to remember, Mike. This what you live is not your full life, right? It's not it's not life in general. There mm-hmm. are other people who don't have what you have. There are other people who don't think the way that you do. There are other people who who think that you're wrong, Mike. There are other people, and, and I want to hear that. I want to hear their side when they're intelligent. Now, when they call me Kuta Kente and inward this, inward that, I just I'm like, okay, you're stupid, bro. You know, but. This is how we grow. Comfort is the enemy of progress. Mm. My God, I love that so much. All I'm thinking as you're talking, besides absorbing that, is like, God, you need a bigger stage. Like we gotta, <laughs> we gotta get you a stage when COVID is over because 
Yeah. And the way you speak about that with so much passion too, is like, it's exactly what the world needs as far as if we go back, circle back to conscious influence here. If you have a platform and you can actually look back at your life and say, this is where I came from. I've seen the other side of privilege in a lot of ways. And in fact, you see the other side of privilege every single day every single day and to actually speak on it and to step up and be as passionate of an advocate as you are, I think bravo to you, frankly, for being the disruptor, if we can call it that, to disrupting this space because this franchise is not an easy one to speak up against. That's a big, as we said, that's a media giant. It's not easy to go against the grain. It's not easy to speak up against things that are mainstream and that it looks like the majority of the world is, is, you know, on board with and high-fiving and adopting. So to really speak up, not just about the franchise, but about anything that goes against the mainstream dialogue, I think, bravo, bravo. I I agree with you. When, uh, when we go against what our purview is, our circle is, what our, our lens is, people look at you like, okay, you know, you're crazy. And most of us, you know, I don't care what nobody says. Most of us are followers and we want to just follow the status quo within the the circle that we live in. And that's the problem in and of itself right there. Like when I, okay, let's, let's be, let's be, bring it on home right now with this one right here. I, before, you know, having this platform and being on TV and things of that nature, I was a financial advisor in the corporate world and there's sexism in the corporate world, right? Women don't get paid equally as men do. So if someone doesn't agree with my racial uh, stance, they'll, I don't know how you don't agree with this one. Um, there, there, there's a sexism in the world. Men get paid more than women on average. And quite honestly, it's just not fair. Women are just as good, if not better, quite honestly. And a lot of the things that we do in corporate worlds. And you need to be a disruptor in that industry as well. You need to be a disruptor in that market as well. I would literally, if I'm not a woman. I don't have the, you know, the equipment of a woman that, that does. But just because I don't have the equipment doesn't mean that I don't know it's wrong. Mm. And I think that a lot of people, and this I talk about this barely, but I touched on it on our podcast, talking it out, is that the reason I think so many people are quiet is because, yo, they need their paycheck. They got to pay rent, you know? And I, I get that, right? Mm. Uh, I don't have F money yet, but... <laughs> Bigger statement, <laughs> it's coming. But, um, and that's why so many people are quiet. And like I said, prior it's a it is a balance but at the same time if you don't stand for something you will fall for anything and i can promise you this because i've been there myself it is such a great feeling for what when you stand up for what's right Mm. it really is now you might gotta you know go hustle and you know find another job if if something bad occurs i'm not going to deny that right but if you continue that passion that you spoke with and lost your job because you spoke up for what's right that employer might be working for you one day. Yeah. <laughs> High five through this. <laughs> See, this is when I just wish we were here in person because, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, got, I got nothing to even add to that. That's exactly, it's beautiful. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. Yeah, period. Simple as that. Really is. The, uh, I'll say this and I'll, I'll, I'll let you get on it. The, Creator of Bumble. I don't know. You guys have Bumble in Canada? Uh, Bumble is, is a probably. dating app? Oh, probably, but I'm old and married. So yes, but but I'm sure everybody listening knows what right, that is. Right. Mark, Mark told me to ask that question. You passed. <laughs> yeah, so. You passed, right? Yeah. <laughs> Bumble, is, Bumble is a dating app created by a beautiful woman. I forget her name. Uh, somebody will know. Uh, self-made, awesome woman. She once worked for Tinder, I believe. And they were diminishing her viewpoints because she's a woman. And she was a disruptor. She was passionate. Uh, she thinks the same way I think in the sense of, I'm going to stand for what's right. And so she said, F this. And she created her own. Hmm. And now Bumble is known everywhere in the countries that Bumble exists. And that's exactly what I mean. She literally was she was great in a uh, position her title her income was amazing at this company she once was at but she said no i'm gonna stand on what's right and i'm gonna, I'm gonna do it my damn self hmm. now she's happier got more money more uh, acclaim uh, and 
stood on her principles. So I think that at times, what we have to do is, you might got to struggle a little bit more. You know, we both were speak unapologetically, and I'm not going to shy away from it. You know, if something's happening in your, in, now I'm not saying everybody go be crazy, right? But make sure you always speak up, right? Be unapologetic in your viewpoints. Uh, and if everyone is telling you that you're crazy, make sure you listen to those individuals because you just might be crazy, baby. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And you if know, too just... many, if too many people who look exactly like you are continually validating you, it might be worth checking in with somebody who doesn't. Correct. I, I, like I said in my pod, I'm, my audience is 99% white. Yeah. That's what makes it really hard because I'm going against 99% of my audience. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think that some people don't realize that, you know, all the DMs that I get that are negative, this, that, and third. Uh, but then I have so many beautiful allies in America, in Canada, and around the world who are like, wow, I didn't see that. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I'm driving a Ford Focus. Now I'm seeing this Honda that's crashed on the side of the road. Let me go help them out. Mm. Now, Mike, I understand the fact that as a woman, I should be getting paid equally because I know just as much, I have just the same experience, this, that, and the third. That male counterpart, they could be my ally. They can, they can help me out. They see it like I see it. Hell, I showed them my paycheck. I'm making 20% less than them. That is beautiful when we have that allyship. And so I thank everyone for that. But at the same time, make sure that you, you stand up and you also listen to your fellow man. Mm. Mike Johnson, <laughs> I love you even more today than I normally do. I, I so, so appreciate this conversation. I can't even tell you how I, I learn so much from you every single time. And this is what has been such a joy kind of working with you behind the scenes off camera um, and knowing how much depth you have. And just like, I, I'm just so grateful and so glad that your voice is getting louder in, and we are seeing so much more of you and less kind of red tape around the franchise and any, you know, stuff that you couldn't talk about before and now you can and now you are. And I know that maybe I'm just one Canadian fan, one old married lady, <laughs> um, but I'm so grateful that there that you are speaking up and that you're talking about the things that really matter and, and many other people, as we mentioned in the podcast today, that are really speaking up about it. Um, gosh, there's so much more I want to ask you. We could literally record for hours, but in respect of your time, um, what's next for Mike Johnson? What's next? Uh, what's, what's next? You and I working on another book. Uh -huh. uh, what's next is that talking about, you know, your 11 year old daughter and your six year old daughter uh, in social media. I have created a TV show. I actually produced. I created it. Um, I filmed an entire season already. We're editing it right now. Uh, that's going to be dropping soon. Amazing. And, Do we have a title for that? Uh, it's loosely titled Amor Sui, uh, which means self-love in Latin. I chose that because Latin is the root of all languages, and I feel that self-love is the root of all love. And, mm. it, 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 you know, it has a good sentiment, but I also do know that in order to get to the masses, it has to be marketable, and that name isn't marketable, so I'll probably change it. Uh, but the season's already edited, wrote, you know, I'll put it out in probably two months or so. And then I am working with how do we create love in other avenues? And so that'll be dropping soon as well. Oof. Wow. <laughs> You know, we will be waiting. We'll be waiting for everything Mike Johnson brings, including the, the new double bachelor show that we're going to produce together. With you and Connor. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> and, your, and your affirmation wall, which will kick off every episode with like an affirmation. And then yes. we'll just guide the whole thing with like positivity and like a big mic scream. Yes. yes. Let's do it. <laughs> Which actually, if, if you will do us the honor, will you kind of scream us out of this podcast? Can you give us a, a classic mic scream to end our show? <laughs> you might want to take the microphone off. <laughs> All right, here, we'll give, we'll give a five, four, three, two, one countdown to, <laughs> to, to mute your volume. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. know if I heard that it was almost like I needed <laughs> that was incredible that's <laughs> so good um that's <laughs> I do it every day I did it this morning when I woke up I just you know it just gives it's that energy that you need that life is grand that uh, you can go out and do anything you are a badass you are limitless beyond your means you know I love I it love I love it. it poor Connor was just trying to have a nap there and you just woke him up probably <laughs>
I saw him in the back there brushing his teeth earlier, you know, (laughs) (laughs) daytime nap. And here I am drinking wine. Mike, I I love you. Thank you for being here. And I will, obviously we'll be in touch more books on the go and we'll rope our good friend Megan in and have a little, have a little chat chat. Um, Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for being here. I genuinely appreciate it. Your audience is amazing. You are terrific and you are leading the way. And so for the, you say you're old, but you're not old. For the old Canadian married woman, (laughs) they need your voice. So I'd love to hear it. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for joining this edit of the Unapologetic Stories podcast. If you're ready to share your truth and rewrite your personal life story, connect with me at unapologeticstories.com for all the details on speaker training, storytelling, and strategizing your way through this one big life. If you've enjoyed listening, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app or Apple Podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Unapologetic Anna for new speaker training start dates. Until next time, stay brave, stay unapologetic, and keep bringing in your truth.